Good day to you all. Now let me tell you about upcoming Talk About It Mate events. As always, you will find them on the Meetup page and I do post them on other social media channels. At the moment, as it stands, Saturday 4th of January, 3 o'clock, table tennis at 2022. Um, Tuesday, January the 7th, 8.30pm, quiz about it, mate, at Pendlebury Social Club. And Monday the 20th of January, 6 o'clock, bollocks the blue Monday, bongos bingo. In support of Calm, you will need to book your own tickets for that if you're interested in coming. What can I say about our Talk About It Mate events? I love them. I get a lot from them. I love connecting with other people. If you feel that you could experience the benefits of peer support or you want to get involved in any way possible, great. Get in touch. This is what we're all about. It's a peer support network. It's not a hierarchy. Everyone could get involved. Get in touch. If you have any questions, hope you enjoy the podcast and all the best for 2020. Hello everybody, Mike here, I'm the founder of Talk About It Mate, pleased to announce episode 13 of the Talk About It Mate podcast. This is the final episode for 2019 and I'm you know, really chuffed that I've been able to keep making these podcasts and it's a really uh, important part of the process of what I do and you know, the courage, compassion and connection that I feel that I embody through the work that I do with Talk About It Mate. And today we sat down with um, Paul Walsenholm. Paul is a mental health first aid instructor and a psychotherapist in training. And uh, he's got some great insights in what you could get from doing a mental health first aid course. We talk about his own experiences and also, you know, the work that he's doing with men's groups and peer support in his own area. Um, I was able to pick his brains and get some advice from myself and I feel that we connected on a lot of different topics uh, including mental health and education and teaching and um, you know when mental health for children in schools and uh, I think this is a really good listen a really fantastic conversation and I really hope that you enjoy episode 13 of the Talk By Me podcast. I'm on the road today, um, made it all the way to Staley Bridge and now we're in Oldham, we're in... Saddleworth. Saddleworth. Yes, Saddleworth. we don't like to associate ourselves with Oldham. Ah, okay, now now I'm learning all of the time. And uh, I'm with uh, a great guest today, Paul, and uh, would you like to introduce yourself? Thank you, yes, my name's Paul Wollstonehome uh, and I am a mental health first aid instructor, a psychotherapist in training and like yourself, Mike, I run a men's group. Thanks very much. I'm glad you mentioned your, your surname then, because I didn't want to say it wrong. <laughs> um, what, Wollstonehome. Wollstonehome, yes, yeah. as in Kenneth. If, uh, if you know the 1966 World Cup, they think yeah. it's all over. I think it's all over. It is now, but no relation, sadly. Oh, oh. like me and Cliff Richard. <laughs> <No>. um, <laughs> so yeah, start off with a bit of humour, yeah. Um, yeah, well, we're here today with Paul, because uh, the theme of today's podcast is about mental health first aid. So I'm, I'm here for two reasons, to, to record the podcast, but also to pick Paul's brains a little bit. So I thought I'd kind of save that mainly just for the podcast uh, to kind of not avoid repeating it, really. Oh, um, so um, you, you're 
you're a mental health first aid trainer mm-hmm. and you've set up your own company, which is Pathlight Limited. Correct. So, you know, tell us a little bit about, you know, your journey to this stage in mm-hmm. mental health. Mm-hmm. Okay. So uh, I spent most of my adult life working in financial services, which uh, I don't want to knock it, but it, to me it was just a job and I didn't really, it didn't nourish my soul. So when I had children, a lot of people were saying to me, um, you're really good with kids, you should be a teacher. So I retrained to be a primary school teacher later in life and really enjoyed that job. However, uh, I'm something of a recovering perfectionist and that doesn't go well with teaching. As you may know from your own experiences, Mike, there's a lot of planning involved, there's a lot of marking involved and I try to do it all to the best of my ability. and at the same time, my marriage was breaking down. So I was under a lot of pressure, a lot of stress. I got anxious, I got depressed. And uh, that's what took me to my GP, who uh, diagnosed me with having um, yeah, depression and anxiety. And uh, I started to reevaluate my life at that yeah. point and think, okay, I'm not going to be able to juggle all these balls of looking after my two children half the time, looking after the house, looking after the job, and having some time for me. My work-life balance was basically, well, it wasn't healthy. So, um, yeah, that's the the kind of backstory. And what got me onto this path now was really that darkness, that struggle, and the light that I saw from from that struggle was... um, lit really by the Hoffman process, which okay. I may have mentioned to you. It's a, a personal development course, which really, really sorted me out and also opened my mind to, uh, I started doing meditation, getting into spiritual stuff and personal development and looking looking at my life, why I behave the way I do and being able to unpick some of those unhealthy patterns. So from there, really, uh, it was a bit of a, a winding road again, but it's led me to mental health. So from, um, from having my own mental health difficulties and understanding more about where they came from, I tried some counselling myself and that, that was really, really helpful. And I thought, I need to do something in this sphere because I could see how powerful it was, how much it helped me. And um, my next step was um, to start training as a psychotherapist, which I find Richly rewarding mm-hmm. and a massive personal journey as well, because it uh, uncovers all the rocks, all the stuff that yeah. we is in our unconscious. Really, really interesting stuff. And whilst I'm doing that training, I thought, okay, I want to do something more in this sphere to help others. Whilst I'm going through the five year training as it is for a psychotherapist in on my course, so I have a couple of friends who are mental health first aid instructors. So I talked to them about um, what what it's like and they were very full of praise for the course itself yeah. and very passionate about delivering it to other people, getting the message out there. So I just jumped in and did it mm-hmm. and yeah, loved the course. Yeah. It, it was really inspiring, um, enlightening as well and a lot, a lot of the focus is on breaking the stigma around yeah. mental health issues. So I, I, I learned a lot from the course, 
and it really inspired me to get out there and spread the word and that's what I do now when I run my mental health first aid courses it's, it feels like every time I do a course there's another bunch of people who are going out feeling inspired empowered and upskilled in how to assist others who are going through mental health difficulties that's a really excellent description of what it is I think having been on the two-day course myself just before I met you uh, I came out feeling really energized and I felt like I knew quite a lot already but if we could pass that on to everybody else then people can keep passing it on but the thing that I'm going to take from what you said there you mentioned stigma mm. it's almost like people how do we stop stigma Um, I think learning and, and I, I've said this on a lot of the talk about made podcast is that it starts with yourself and that, that learning about self um can really open up and lead people to doing these jobs mm. and that like I want to do it because I've been through that darkness and still have it sometimes but it's the one thing that gets me up in the morning as well if I know I'm doing something towards talk about it mate it gives me that like energy that mm-hmm. drive mm-hmm. which I mean I, I probably had that at the beginning of my teaching career but I don't have it as much now when I'm teaching so it's just interesting to hear somebody else say it and it's quite reassuring for me I suppose mm. um, yeah so so you, you, you've done the training to be a mental health uh, first aider you know was it intensive was that one you know one of the hardest things that you've been through mm, no I wouldn't say it was the hardest there are parts in the training yeah. which are very emotive mm. and in particular as I mentioned to you before we started recording there were three plenary speakers who came in towards the end of the course to talk about their own personal experiences of mental health issues and I found that really moving um, but also incredibly inspiring and empowering because those people have been to the depths of darkness in their own souls and they've come out of it and made a new career out of uh, doing creative stuff, uh, going around being advocates for mental health, speaking in schools, speaking to adults and like yourself what, yeah. what you're doing through this podcast and through human and, and the other things you're involved in it's all part of breaking that stigma absolutely um which which is a massive thing and it's the reason it's, it's probably the major reason reason i would say that people don't talk about mental health issues more especially men uh so yeah to go back to your question it wasn't it wasn't terribly intensive uh, but Good, because I'm, I'm trying to. I'm worried about doing it, but this is what I need to know. You'll be fine. You'll be fine. You know, it, I suppose for some people on the course, they did find it difficult yeah. at times because it touched on their own material. Mm. So, for example, there was a a session. Uh, one of the most difficult sessions, perhaps, is about suicide. Yeah. And one of the speakers who came in talked about his own attempt to take his own life. Yeah. Uh, which was incredibly powerful. But the lady who sat next to me on the course yeah. on that day had recently lost her niece. Yeah. She'd taken her own life. So to her, for her, that was very close to home, very close to the knuckle. But yeah. it's it, in, a, in a sense, I think it was healing to go through that. Yeah, it, just, it seems like what you say about people speaking, a lot of mental health public speakers, I don't know how you, what you feel about a good speaker, but someone who's been through a struggle and then come out the other side and just discovered a passion or a driver and energy mm. or a creativity for me I can that's the difference between a, a good speaker and an excellent speaker for me mm. it's not about whether they stumble on their words it's mm-hmm. that authenticity and 
I want to say believability. Yes. Yeah. Definitely. You know, and I, I can relate this back to when I was a teacher, and, and maybe you'll resonate with this as well, Mike, that I, I wasn't the best teacher. Uh, I was good at building relationships with the kids, but I wasn't the best teacher because I didn't get the mechanics of it really at the time. And I could stand at the front of the class having prepared what I thought was a really good lesson and tell them these stories about whatever it was, history, whatever we were talking about. And some of the kids would be disengaged. Yeah. But as soon as I start talking about myself and say, okay, well, I'll tell you a story about me and how this affected my life, instantly they'd all be zoned in, sitting up straight and all ears. And I think it's the same uh, in, in any sphere of life that I've experienced. If there's someone speaking from their own personal experience and they're making themselves vulnerable by really being honest and authentic, mm. that really resonates with me and I will be transfixed. And I was just speaking to my psychotherapist this morning uh, about TED Talks. Are yeah. you into TED Talks? Yeah. I love them and there's loads of really powerful speakers there yeah. and they know how to hold the crowd and yeah. I think you know I'm not that type of person they can train for that can't they yeah but you know if I was to train for it I could get I could become a better speaker you know I, I go into workplaces and do uh, mental uh, mental health first aid training I also do workplace well-being schemes yeah and I'm not that kind of energetic all action speaker you know yeah. I just speak from the heart uh, and if I were to speak, uh, it'd be like putting on a show for me. If you know, if I was like one of those TED guys, because it wouldn't be me. It'd be yeah. putting a mask on, and for me, taking that mask off and just being me, is what that's where the value is. It's it's interesting. Uh, I always try to make a comment on body language. You've oh, that's you you really open up your beaming when you said when you say that, and it is interesting about speaking. Like I I think I speak too fast, or sometimes I think that I like ramble on but I went to a public speaking event and I did a pitch and you know pushed myself but I said to the guy it's really important to me that I whatever I do it has to be me mm-hmm. and I, you know we can, we can easily get swept up by not being our true selves and usually it's stress that makes us do that and anxiety and worry and it's claiming that back is, is hard work and, mm-hmm. but say doing a podcast I thought this is a great way to record conversations and uh you know, I feel like I do it in my own way. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it's the more and more we do this, the more we're in touch with our true selves, I think. Mm. Um, but it's just interesting what you said there. And uh, so now, you, now you're delivering the course, you know, you're raising awareness. But um, how do you think we can, you know, keep as a society improving our attitudes towards mental health? Mm. You know, that, I don't expect you to have all the answers to that one it's a, you know I think the raising awareness thing is going really well mm-hmm. I think even in the last year especially in men's mental health mm-hmm. that's how we met but I think I'm just going to throw that out there how do we yeah. how do we take it on from here yeah. really it's a good question and mm-hmm. something that really resonated with me from my mental health first aid instructor training mm-hmm. was um, the metaphor of physical disability and uh, your your considerably younger than me Mike so you might not remember <laughs> thank you <laughs> but um, in the 1970s and 1980s when I grew up yeah if you were physically disabled say in a wheelchair um, you were very disabled because society made you disabled yeah 
you know, shops were not set up for wheelchairs. There weren't ramps to get into cafes and mm-hmm. restaurants. If you wanted to go to the cinema, tough luck, you know. Uh, and and work workplaces as well. They were not set up for people who were significantly disabled. Yeah. But so much work has happened in that sphere over the past thirty years, I'd say, that now you know if you've if your legs don't work at all yeah. and you're in a wheelchair, that is not a disability to most of your life. You can get on, you can have a good job, you can go to all of, pretty much all of the places, you can even do a bungee jump. Like there's less know? barriers to, to participating in life. Absolutely. And I think with, with mental health, we're on that track now yeah. and we're not anywhere near where we've got to with uh, physical disabilities, yeah. but we're heading that way. And we're heading that way because of people like you doing what you're doing and people like uh, you know sports stars and the royal family talking more about it and it's normalizing it because it is normal you know mental health issues have been around since the ancient egyptians and before you know it's uh, it is not new it's just that we we understand it more these days and we're getting to that point where it is less taboo to talk about it absolutely talk about it mate yeah yeah so i think anything that anyone can do Mm. Uh, to talk about it more is good and we can start with kids yeah. you know and I've, I've been speaking to my children about mental health for as long as I've been aware of mental health and yeah. I remember years ago showing them you know the, the black dog video yeah. which is still my favourite video it's on brilliant. depression I think it's, yeah. the, it's, it's simple mm-hmm. but powerful yeah yeah, and it nails it doesn't it absolutely it's about 10 years old yes yes so when I first told my children mm. that I was struggling with mental health yeah. issues, they weren't really old enough to understand probably what I was going through. So I showed them that, that animation and they got it, you know. And just being able to do that when, when you've got young children and going into primary schools uh, and secondary schools and talking more about mental health issues. Because mm. it starts in when, when, when we are kids, you know, there's so much pressure even in primary schools now to get... Sats results to yeah. be like your mates to have the best trainers to have a iPhone yeah. whatever you know so talk about it normalize it um, and another thing that I I particularly like have you heard of the ask twice yeah so are you okay yeah. are you sure you're okay and yeah, yeah Ma- Ma- Martin mentioned it on the last podcast and I think it's and it's good it's on even on like beer mats now mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I think yeah that whole campaign is being aimed at like the bloke and the lad culture and mm-hmm. I I don't think we can avoid talking about that because I think that in terms of the male mental health crisis and suicides are happening, they're the demographic that it's happening to. Mm. And I was saying to you before we started recording, you know, I'm past the part where I feel scared to talk about suicide now mm. on this forum because it needs to be spoken about. Yeah. And it's this bottling up of feelings and, and you know, that's why we have these men's groups. And and if if you want, like, uh, you know, if you want like-minded guys, there are groups that suit, suit certain kind of groups of guys more I think in, mm-hmm. in your community so you know reach out mm-hmm. would be what I say but yeah I think it's covered it really nicely what you said and I know I'm working on the things I want to deliver in schools things like the black dog or there's a really good book called um, Ruby's Worry mm-hmm. and she's got this big bubble like and she's it's like floating around next to her mm-hmm. and at the end she sits down on the bench because she, she sees this other bubble this kid's got a bubble a worry bubble and then when they, she talks about the bubble it goes down. And I think it's a really simple way of... Mm. But that's it. With kids, they can take things in, can't they, at a young age? Mm. And if that just becomes a normal part of... 
they're growing up saying, I feel like this because of this. And he's doing it more regularly, then hopefully they can emote better. Yes. It's, it's getting that emotional intelligence, getting in tune with their emotions and their yeah. bodies, <coughs> excuse me, and having a language for it. Yeah. So the first thing I think is, is to teach awareness. Yeah. I think this is any, with anything growth-wise or, or knowledge-wise, you need to have awareness of what it is, what the issue is. And then mm. once you've got that awareness, having the will to do something about it, mm. and then you're going to be a lot more successful if you've got a support network around you to do that. So mm. whether it's your parents or yeah. it's your friends or it's men's groups mm. or someone who isn't going to judge you for yeah. being vulnerable and saying, yes. I'm, I'm struggling in this way at the moment. Keep it simple. Like, you know, you get taught as a kid, like, oh, a problem shared is a problem halved. But mm. it, it does, it runs through any, like, you know, you see, you have a problem. If you keep it to yourself, mm-hmm. I, know, I don't know how you felt about this, but it's, it's, it doesn't make me feel better. Mm. And I was always, I was classed as a sensitive child and they actually sent me for a little bit to like what was a behaviour unit and I, was, I didn't have bad behaviour because mm-hmm. they didn't know how to mm. class me when I was about in like year five, mm-hmm. six. You know, my parents were divorced and I didn't take that well. And I just could, I, I could not contain my feelings. Mm-hmm. My feelings have to come out. Mm-hmm. And every time I look back on my life when I've not been able to communicate or express my feelings, I, it's ended up with me having either a breakdown or like, losing my temper you know but it is some kind of emotional outburst Mm -hmm. and then unfairly i think i got like labeled as this troublemaker or you know like and it's just that i didn't have a way of because i was wired differently from some people it's just interesting how these stories make you reflect on your own Mm. and i suppose going through counseling and training to be a counselor has helped me to reflect on that like your journey has yeah absolutely i i find it fascinating like you know and um, I think it's something like 75% of mental health issues are already established before age 18 and a lot of it is those first seven years of life and it sounds like from your story there at yeah. school you weren't quite aware of what was going on for you maybe you yeah. felt a bit different to the other kids and the teachers and whoever yeah. else they didn't have the tools or the no. awareness at that time to know what to do with you but I think you know that awareness is growing and there's a lot more mental yeah. health awareness in schools these days there's a lot of schools that are embracing mindfulness which absolutely. I absolutely I've done that myself children yeah yeah I nailed that to the master I meditate every day and I think that's a really valuable tool yeah. and if we can start teaching that to kids uh, get in touch with their bodies get in yeah. touch with their feelings from a young age it's going to um, give them that emotional intelligence and the vocabulary to mm-hmm. say this is what I'm feeling and not feel scared about talking about it. Yeah, like this is who I am and even if it might not be done at home, at least, you know, as a parent, wouldn't you want your child to be able to tell you how they're feeling? Mm. And, uh, you know, obviously, you know, that's not an ideal world, it doesn't always happen like that, but, yeah, we are moving in, in the right direction. But something that came up from what you just said for me, you know, when you we do counselling, conditions of worth and... Mm-hmm. You know, I, I will be accepted if I do this. Like, so I always did really well in school because mm-hmm. I thought as long as I do really well in school, I keep working hard. And I look back, you know, people, I think, was it was it because I was hard working? I did try hard, but I think I naturally knew stuff at a young age. Mm-hmm. I was quite switched on. But I thought, but that didn't make me happy. Mm-hmm. Like, I was trying to please people, but I wasn't able to, you know, get my emotions out. And, and it kind of carried it with me through life. And it's only in the last say three years that I've been able to kind of unpick that but as a result when you do start to unpick that and these speakers that you've mentioned you know you go through this journey 
you come out the other side as a better, say, version mm. of yourself. Mm. And, that, and I'm not saying to every guy who might come to a man's group, you're going to go on this huge journey, but everything starts from a small basis, don't, doesn't it? Absolutely. And it, is, it starts from that awareness. Yeah. And, you know, I, as a psychotherapist in training, I'm biased, but I honestly think everyone mm. could benefit from some form of talking therapy. Absolutely everyone. But again, it comes back to that stigma. Yeah. Of, um, I think in this country in particular, there is stigma around going to counselling. People think it, it might be weak. Yeah. Uh, people might not admit they've got a problem, so there's no point in them going if they don't admit they've yeah. got a problem, if they're in that denial phase. But actually, you don't have to be aware of having any particular issue. I don't really like the word issue, to be honest. Yeah. But you know, it will help you get to know yourself better. Mm and it can uncover a lot of unconscious material, especially from your childhood. And once we know ourselves better, we can get more comfortable with ourselves. And I think that's from knowing what you've said about yeah. yourself, that's what you've done over the past few years, isn't it? It's get to know yourself better and accept yourself and, more. Yeah, and accepting it. And some people might say, own it. Mm. Like, own it. Like, And, and it's funny because, because I wouldn't let it lie and I kept wanting to investigate, that's what led me to get the diagnosis of ADHD. Mm-hmm. And that's something, say, only over a year ago, I haven't really looked into. But like now, when I, if I do feel anxious or I have a feeling coming up, I can, I, I'm not using it as an excuse, but I'm like, hang on, there's a reason why these are happening. You know, I take my tablet every day and it's not an antidepressant, it's, an, it's the opposite, it's a stimulant. Mm-hmm. But it keeps, me, it keeps me more focused. But moving it on, I'm trying to think of, say, your average person who's in a job, and I've worked in so many schools and different places, you know, I fundamentally, the majority of people are good people, mm-hmm. and raising that awareness, I'm trying to put them in position of them going on a mental health first aid course. Yeah. You're going to learn a lot about the pe- things that people around you might be going through, but you'll also learn about yourself. So kind of talk us through the two-day course, because I feel that, like, most people could do this. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It's another one of those things that yeah. pretty much everyone can benefit from. I think probably the only people that can't benefit from yeah. it are the ones that know it all already. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah, it's um it is intense. It is. You you've done it, haven't you? It's it's a full on two days and uh it doesn't wrap anything up in cotton wool, so it goes to some tricky places. Mm. Uh and invariably each course I teach there'll be several people there that will get upset because it will touch on their own material, yeah. whether that's a trauma or they've had a suicide in the family yeah. or they've been through deep depression or anxiety or they know someone with psychosis. So I've, I've listed there quite a few of the, the mental health issues yeah. that we cover in the course. Uh, we start off with a, generally what is mental health mm. and uh, we like to think of mental health as a continuum. So I think perhaps, I don't know, 15, 20 years ago, people thought you were either mentally well yeah. or you were mentally ill and uh, these days we try and look at it more as a continuum so if you can imagine um, a sheet of paper with a horizontal line and a vertical line going through the middle of it so yeah. we've got four quadrants and then we've got the top right section which is uh, where everything is dandy we don't have a mental health issue and we don't have a diagnosis yeah. And then the bottom right quadrant is when we have got a mental health issue, but we haven't had a diagnosis yet. And that probably is a lot of men because, yeah. you know, they're suffering from anxiety, depression, whatever yeah. it is. 
but they don't go and see a GP because of stigma or whatever else. And then the bottom left quadrant is when you have got a diagnosis and you've still got poor mental health. Mm. And then there's this very empowering model that even though we've had that diagnosis, we can move up to that top left quadrant and recover. Uh, so although we've still got that diagnosis, whatever it is, we can live well. We can be content most of the time. We can hold down a job. We can look after our families and generally be happy most of the time. Uh, and that theme of recovery runs through the whole course. Yeah. And, um, you know, I've, I've met a lot of really inspiring speakers who talk about their own mental health issues. And every single one of them inspires me by saying, yeah, I was in this terrible place but I have recovered and yeah I still have dips yeah um, but I know how to deal with them I've got the tools I've got the awareness yeah. and I can still live a good life so that continuum is uh, kind of underlies a lot of the course um, we talk about what mental health is we talk about different mental health issues yeah. anxiety depression schizophrenia psychosis Suicide is one which is uh, quite triggering for a lot of people. It's it's a tough place to go. But yeah, on the course that I I was on, the girl got upset, and mm. and you know, it is it's it's a difficult. But I, I and everybody you know was very sympathetic to that, and of course, but I think the the the, the instructor and myself agreed. It you have to carry on, and you have mm. to. It's not re, you know reason to stop talking about it mm-hmm. because, you know, we need to learn about it. Yes. I suppose. Again, we need to normalise it. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's a lot more common than you think. Yeah. Um, and uh, I'm not good at remembering stats, but it's a very high percentage of people who have considered suicide at some point. I have. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's something like, uh, forgive me if this is incorrect, but I think it's something like 2% of people have attempted to take their own life. And if you think about... How many people there are yeah, in the know, country, like... I think about just your Facebook friends. Yeah. You know, if you've got 300 Facebook friends, yeah. for example, that means six of them statistically have attempted suicide. And you wouldn't know. You no. wouldn't know. You know, in, in my life, I only know... I mean, I only know one or two people. Mm. But there will be several more, statistically speaking, that have done so. But again, they don't speak out about it because of the stigma. So it is good, you know, that the course does go there. It goes to some dif- difficult places and uh, leaves no stone unturned. And what it does, it equips people then to go away after a two-day course. I do the one-day course and the half-day course as well, just to pitch at different levels yeah. of uh, management and such like. The two-day course, comes, uh, people come away being a mental health first aider. Yeah. So they can go into their workplace and support uh, their colleagues, they will be able to spot the signs and symptoms of most common mental health issues. They'll be able to uh, be taught how to listen and uh, communicate without judgment. Yeah. So kind of basic counselling skills, which you'll be aware of yeah. yourself, that kind of non-judgmental yeah. listening and uh, reflecting back, mirroring, not interrupting, not judging, all that stuff. Um, they're also, uh, they know where to signpost people to to get help because ultimately you're a first aider you're not um, you know if we if we liken it to physical first aid yeah. you're not the surgeon you're not no. there to be their counselor we're not there to fix them in any way we're there to identify and act as a first response and signpost them to appropriate and support. that's the biggest chunk of it i think like once i think of it like that so i panic when something difficult comes up like i think a lot of people might but when i thought you know the chances of seeing the more serious cases 
you know, are very low, you know, and, and you know, the scenario of everyday life, you might, you know, you won't see, but it's more likely to be someone in your workplace, you can, and you'll have the time, you'll have the space to have the talk with them, to listen to them, respond non-judgmentally, mirror it back to them, and then, yeah, just signpost them on to where they need to go, and mm-hmm. that, that might be the extent of it, but you've got that forever, haven't you? Absolutely, and you know, the people might come back to you again, yeah. you know, that you might signpost them to the GP or to a, a to human or something like yeah. that, you know, you, um, what, depending on what their needs are. Um, but they, they might come back to you because you've established that trusting yeah. relationship, it's open, it's non-judgmental, and they know that they can come to you and speak without any judgment or yeah. fear of stigma. So it's, it's a, potentially an ongoing relationship. But two days is a lot to take in. I mean, you get a panned book with it, which mm-hmm. you can always refer back to, mm-hmm. and you get to interact with the other attendees. But, you know, it is intense, but now I look back on it, I thought it's just something else that I did. Mm-hmm. You know, how many other training courses do you go on in your job? Mm-hmm. And, like, this one's, like, something you can apply in all aspects of your life. Yes. It's, like, a must. And, like, I, I paid to go on it privately, but if, if your employer it will send you on this course, then go. Mm. Because... It's so important, isn't it? It is. I think it's invaluable. And, and, you know, stuff like this, I think, should be mandatory. You know, certainly in the workplace, yeah. it's mandatory that they have physical first aiders. Yeah. And there is a white paper going through Parliament at the moment to try and get mental health first aid on the same footing. Mm. And I think that would be a really good thing, not just for me personally as, yeah. as a business person, but just to have that awareness. And, you know, I, I get emotional every time I do a course. Yeah. Because uh, towards the end, I say, right, okay, so you've, You've got your toolkit now, your mental mm. health first aiders. You can go out there and, and make a difference. Yeah. You know, it might just be someone in the street that they pass who's, who's crying or uh, someone, someone in their workplace who isn't behaving like they normally do. And just, just that initial approach, saying, are you okay? I'm a mental health first aider. Is there anything I can help you with? You might actually save someone's life. Yeah. And how many courses can you say that about it? that's massive and it's just that confidence to feel that you can make a difference mm. and and not not get scared that if you intervene you might do something wrong it's just you, you're probably going to do a lot of good absolutely just by like you say are you okay i'm a mental health first aider mm. you know, how can i help you you mm. know and just from there that being that like open version of yourself isn't mm. it and like everyone look everyone likes helping other people don't they? the mm. feeling you get from that mm. and it's like just a decent thing to do as well and because having had a breakdown and been on the other I was able to talk about that on the course about how the people who dealt with me worked with me and how that helped me Mm. and yeah just say normalising is the word that keeps coming out normalising but yeah Yeah. I I hopefully will go on to do the instructor training Mm. because I I think I don't know what we're worried about really thinking maybe I wouldn't be smart enough or or could I deliver it? But then I've got quite a lot of teaching experience. Mm-hmm. So, and I have delivered workshops to adults before just through talk about it, mate. So I think it's just something I just have to say, I'm going to do it. Yeah. And I think having spoken to you, thank you, um, I feel that like it's something I would like to offer. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure you'd be great at it because, yeah. you know, earlier on we talked about yeah. passion and that's all you need, really. Yeah. You don't need to be super intelligent. You don't need to be the best energetic yeah. presenter. You just need... To know the course material, which you get to know yeah. over time, and you just need to have that passion to want to make a difference. And every single time you run a course, 
you make a difference. And it's connection that comes through again, isn't it? Like yes. I, the the things I remember about the two instructors, um, was a lady who, she talked about her son and like you know when people use negative self talk, mm. and she was like, oh, I'm stupid, I'm you know useless, and she went don't you talk about my son that way? You know, mm. like, and I thought that was so adorable because, mm. you know, she, she was referencing how we, you might say to somebody, what would you say to a friend who was in this situation? Mm-hmm. And nearly everybody would say something different than what you'd say to mm-hmm. yourself. Mm-hmm. It's easier to help, mm. to help others. And the other instructor lady told us about how, like, she broke her arm in, like, a really horrific way mm. and, like, in, abroad. And it was just, just stayed with me and, like, about how, you know, physical health and the reaction to that and then linked it to kind of mental health and... Mm. and yeah, they they used their own experiences and they made a connection with, with me. Mm-hmm. And like you said, you show emotion. You might mention your own experiences and you connect with the people on the course, yes, and then they can go on and connect. Well, that's that's empathy, isn't it? Mm. Connect with other people, and I think that that's the most powerful thing that comes out of any mental health journey yeah. is connection. Absolutely, I you think know, we're we're social creatures and we are yeah. wired for connection. And I think, unfortunately, society is is. Um, it's getting more individual mm-hmm. people are tethered to their phones quite a lot and you know every time I go to London I go on the tube nobody talks yeah. they're all just staring at the two phone two years in London I know yeah and um, and it's it's spreading out in society and it is a bit of a cancer I think and it's one of the reasons that uh, mental health issues are on the rise I feel uh, social media and smartphones great mm. in some ways yeah but also potentially very isolating and you can compare yourself unfavorably to other people and um, there's there's much less to me there seems to be much less face-to-face connection in a genuine way and and that's why that's one of the reasons I've set up my men's group Uh, and the guys there somebody said last night it was was really lovely to hear that he comes because he can be himself there absolutely so powerful yeah and it's interesting that I was going to go on to that like because of the connections I'm having, I would have met you. I wouldn't be facilitating the human sessions. I wouldn't be have built up talk about mate now to social enterprise status. So tell us about, you know, tell us about your group. Do you, how do you want it to be called? Like, do you want it to be called peer support or just a men's group? It's your mm, your so, kind of thing, isn't it? Yeah. So we call it Man Tuesday because mm. we meet every other Tuesday. Yeah. And it's for men. So that's, yes. Uh, Keep that's it where simple. Comes from and we. Um, there's a couple of other guys who facilitate with me and we don't really have an agenda to be honest yeah. Mike you know it's just yeah, like a safe space yeah. for men to come talk yeah. listen be themselves not feel judged mm-hmm. be able to open up about mental health issues masculinity uh, anything at all that they want to talk about I like that because it's just an open an open forum mm-hmm. like once things that I've done before previously but I also was like what's happening with human as well, where you have a theme each week, mm-hmm. which then might stimulate personal discussion. Or you know, it's supposed to be every person shares their own perspective, mm-hmm. and which is great. But anything like that is a great outlet. So, how many weeks have you been doing it now? So we've had three sessions. Yeah, um, yeah. I think we started off with four people first week. Yeah, we had seven people come yesterday. Um, and for me, as we were saying earlier on, it isn't about the numbers. You no, know, it's I'd not. be perfectly happy if the seven, the same seven people came every fortnight. Now, uh, it doesn't. It I think obviously it'd be great to get more people in there so that they can uh, use it for their own needs. But it isn't a numbers thing for me. No. It is just if people want it, 
they're ready, willing and able to come and be open, be themselves. And that's great. I think it's just, it's, I feel like it's a service. You know, yeah. I get something out of it. Yeah. Uh, all of the guys that were there last night say, yeah, they get something, everyone gets something individual out of it. Um, and I've got no, you know, great plans of say, thinking, yeah, I want to have a hundred people through the doors and I want to turn it into a business. None of that. It's just a space yeah. for people to talk and listen. That's it. And that, that's, that's wonderful. And I, hopefully I'll be able to like replicate almost what you guys are doing. I'd love to come and see how you do it. But that's the thing. Each people, each group that do it in their own way, is still a group there. Mm-hmm. And if anybody, say I knew anybody who lived in this area, mm-hmm. I'd be like, well, there's a group in your area, mm. and that's it. I hope that's why I'm hoping to connect with all the people that are running men's groups of different kinds and other mental health groups, because I feel that like if we get like an alliance together, mm-hmm. we can help more people. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. It'd be great to have some kind of database or some some link mm. uh, to be able to to do that, and again, just to normalise it so that everyone knows these things are out there. Uh, we got a bit of funding. Um, so I'm going to be doing some marketing, which will get the word out there because a lot of people, you know, if they're not on Facebook yeah. or um, they just aren't interested in these things, then they will have no idea that these these places exist. So uh, yeah, the more the merrier. Yeah, that's it. I mean, I'm interesting you mentioned numbers because you know, I like I built up talk about it, mate from nothing, and like you know, I don't make money out of talk about it, mate. Like, I'm, in fact, I spent a lot of my own money to to get to events and to do things. And there are, there are people out there who just do these things out of the goodness of their hearts because they want to help people and they want to make those connections. And, it, it, you know, you get out of what you put in, I find. Like, mm-hmm. I've been to so many different events and that's how I make the connections. But it can be a small thing, like, you've got something on you, you want to get off your chest, then it'd be a good place to come. Mm-hmm. Because I know now that through the human sessions, for example, got every Wednesday night, I'm going to go tonight and I can just get anything off my chest that's happened mm-hmm. to me and then discuss whatever the theme is and then I've got the guys there not gonna, they're not going to judge me mm-hmm. and like afterwards it'll be like oh take care see you next week yeah. or see you after Christmas and yeah. that's nice to know mm. and I was saying to you in the car I've made two really genuinely close friends out of this that I didn't have before so and that's because we've all been so open about our lives we know things about each other yeah. that not all, all of our friends and families would know mm-hmm. uh, obviously that's confidential mm. but uh it kind of made a bond and I think the word I use was brotherhood yes I think that's it isn't it yeah and it's uh, something that I've noticed a lot through my psychotherapy training is that when you get to know someone really know someone mm. personally I can't help but love them yeah you know and I think doing this type of thing brotherhood you use that word there I think it's also an act of love to, yeah. to be able to sit there and totally accept that person whatever they're going to say they might have a lot of shame about the way they've acted they might feel guilty and bad about themselves but just to be accepted and to share that stuff which they may not have shared with anyone else before Mm. is incredibly liberating yes and for me it's it's an honor to hear that it's a privilege and an honor isn't it it really is you know and when i do my uh, like triads practice counseling practice on my psychotherapy course the people in my group will talk about their deepest fears and things that they've never shared before. And it is, it is a privilege and I can't help but accept that person and love that person. And, and that is what we're hardwired for again. We're hardwired for connection. We're all compassionate creatures. 
we might put these masks on and these suits yeah. of armour and walk around as if we're a lad's lad. Yeah, uh, I've done that at times, yeah. believe it or not. <laughs> it's like, imagine their brain, the brain's like a muscle, isn't it? Mm. So if you're physically working out and you can't, your muscle stops, you'll get pain, you'll get a muscle strain or something like that. And our brain stops us from going further, but you push it more and more each time. And like you said, sharing your deepest fears. Every time you get to the stage where you think, sorry to use bad language, fuck it, I'm just going to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> it, You grow, don't you? Mm. Like, and, and it becomes more and more normal. Like every group I've shared with and every counselling session that I've done, mm-hmm. and you think, I've come this far now. Mm. It doesn't scare me now to say, I couldn't do this or this has happened to me or this mm. happened to me because I've got to that stage where it's become normal. Yeah. And that's growth, isn't it? There you go. You know, um, it is finding out what your boundaries are, mm. exploring those boundaries, thinking, okay, so what, why do I get anxious when I do this thing? Yeah. And changing the, uh, the script in your head, uh, reprogramming it to say, oh, actually, do you know what? I'm not going to die if I try this thing. If yeah. I go and talk to that girl, ask her out or try and facilitate this group or yes. speak about my inner demons, I'm not going to die. And once you've done it once, personally, and from my experience of men's groups and psychotherapy and stuff, it, it is, um, it's freeing and you, you can throw yourself out there and yeah, you might feel a bit vulnerable. Yeah. But once you've done it and you get accepted by the other person or the other people, mm. you think, ah, Actually, this is this is good. This feels good to be able to access these feelings, speak about them, and be accepted. And that's that. Isn't that the best thing in the world? And if we can give that to everybody, either mm-hmm. through mental health first aid, through through talk groups and access to talk therapies, mm-hmm. that that will improve the happiness of the country, the society. Mm-hmm. You, you know, you you can be the best that you can be. Like like I'm. I always try and think if there's a problem what can I do? Mm-hmm. But as a result, in the past, I have been very hard on myself mm-hmm. because I haven't always been ready to, to make those changes. But as I've done it more, like you say, it is empowering and liberating and we can, we can, we can't, we are capable of growth, mm-hmm. but you do have to make change. Yeah. And that's why I always use the courage, compassion, connection. The courage comes first, mm-hmm. compassion to yourself and others, then the connection comes later. But yeah, it's nice to see more groups have, and if there's anything you know we can do and we'll keep sharing it for you and so it's called man tuesday mm-hmm. every tu- every second tuesday yes it's in saddleworth at the satellite center yeah. in greenfield so if you are in the area or even if you just fancy coming along if you're from out of the area you're very welcome i promise i will i'm going to say this on the podcast now. i promise i'll come down one week maybe even at the end of the session i'll just get a little video with you or something mm-hmm. about what you know obviously not everything that happened but that might be a nice way of kind of sharing it out yeah. there but uh, let's move it on then because I'm sure people can search for the events. Um, mental health and education. So I have been looking to talk to a teacher for a while. I know you... you what I like about you is you, did you come into teaching later? I did. So you've come into teaching later. You've, you've, you've appreciated your strengths as making connections with the pupils and relationships. Uh, and then you decided it's not probably the best for you. Mental health in teachers... Is something that you know needs to be addressed, mm. but the, the the profession is pushing people to this. Yes, like I'm not just going to be on here teaching bashing. Te- being a teacher is a great job, mm-hmm. and people who are teachers have to go through training and and I respect them because mm-hmm. I am one. I'm still one. I'll always be a teacher. Mm-hmm. You know, 
Um, I don't think it's my calling in life. I think working in mental health is, is my calling. But uh, how can we... What can we put in place more for teachers? Mm. Like, I worked at a school in London. It was like every six weeks they'd have someone come in and give you a half an hour massage, which is lovely. Mm. Or they'll say, we'll refer you to this yoga class or whatever. But make the job less difficult mm. would be the first thing I would say. Yes. <laughs> I mean, my... Other than the workload, which is seriously heavy, yeah. Um, for me, the the thing that needs to be re-engineered is the focus, the outcomes of teaching, and to me, it is far too much results focused. Yeah. And um, in my experience, what I think has happened is that teaching as a profession has been tried to be moulded into being a business. Yeah. So you've got value added. You've got this pupil, little Johnny, comes in at this age mm. and by this age, at the time he leaves this school, he's got to be at this point in yeah. the subjects. But actually, you know, every child is individual. Every child has unique talents and getting little Johnny from here to this point up here yeah. in six years isn't necessarily going to happen because he might not be great at maths. Yeah. He might not be wired that way. You know, you talked earlier about your own personal yeah. experience of being wired a little bit differently. Yeah. Some kids are incredibly artistic they might be great at uh, um, writing poems, for example. They might be great at music or PE. And that might be their, their course in life. Mm. They might not need to know the second, the subjunctive tense and the oh, square root. the grammar. The grammar you know, now, all yeah. of that type of stuff. How to work out the area of a triangle. They might never <laughs> use that in their life. Yeah. Okay, So for me, um, you know, the Scandinavian countries, I don't know if yeah. you know Finland much about Finland has them. the best, uh, like... PISA ratings don't they but mm. yeah th their standard of life is just a better standard of life isn't it yeah yeah. Uh, they come out top on so many uh, measures yeah. happiness scales uh, mental health issues um, and they still perform well at school you know and they don't actually start formal education until age six or seven yeah seven in Finland isn't yeah it? so they, they play you know they learn how to be themselves they learn how to socialise and these are the skills that we actually need in life uh, when, we, when we go into work, we need to build relationships with people and we need to solve problems. That's pretty much what work is. It's not about knowing what happened in 1066, you know. Yeah. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with learning no. about history or learning about maths and all that type of stuff. We need it. We need it. But remove the pressure yes. on targets, I would say, and just let the children be their unique selves. And, uh, you know, teachers, as you know, don't do it for the money. No. They do it for the love, they do it for the passion. And it is a hugely rewarding profession. So I would not dissuade anyone from going into the profession, but just go into it with your eyes open because it is, uh, it isn't a perfect culture. Yeah, because it doesn't, doesn't fit with my values in life. And, mm. and I think I say values are really important. Once you know what your values are, mm. you can link your life to it. But the, the, the most free and expressive you see children are in the nursery. And I've taught all of your groups. And it's a really nice time you go into nursery because mm -hmm. they're like you say they're problem solving. Mm -hmm. They're like the the water tray. They're at the sand pit. They've got the construction area. Mm -hmm. They've got the whatever. Even before they're just trying to hold a pencil for the first time and write some things. It's all problem solving for them. Yeah, that's and creativity more, as well. Yeah, that's the more in core instinctive way of being mm -hmm. as as humans. And and then you they go through school and it's like, but you know I can't. Someone might be listening to this saying, "Well, we can't just let them run wild." And like. No, no, we probably can't, but creativity is taught out of the children and you expect them mm -hmm. to be. And it's like, especially like in high school, like surely they can 
earlier decide what route they're going to go down, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Because if they, by 12, 13, if they're not, if you don't, you've not got a predilection to being in the more academic field, you know, then maybe they want to go down the more like trade route or they mm-hmm. want to go down. Like I say, countries like Holland and stuff, they do take that route middle of high school mm. and you go to like almost two separate schools and mm. stuff mm-hmm. probably correct me if I'm wrong but like it does need a rethink but you say it's been ruled by spreadsheets and all this rubbish mm. and in a way like then it then it feeds into and I, my experience is the house prices in an area of mm. how all the schools doing so then yes. you've got the academized forced academization yeah. and it's for me that's all rubbish you know yeah. I, I cannot abide with any of that it has nothing to do mm-hmm. with teaching that's made by people outside of the teaching in the classroom it's come so far removed from that mm. that for me it's lost its soul a little bit for me that's a really good expression and i was going to say something similar you know that the teachers are being made really to teach to the test and that removes the soul from it it removes the individuality out of it and that treasuring of that child over there who is an incredible artist or that child over there who is incredibly funny and really confident on the stage and can you know they can show they can only really show their talent once a year in the Christmas production whatever so yeah I don't I honestly don't know Mike what the answer is but I can see what is happening I can see that teachers are struggling with their mental health because of the pressure they're under Mm. and a lot of that is target driven stuff targets yeah Uh, and I can see also the impact on the kids you know um I've got two children and my daughter will be doing her GCSEs next academic year. She's already feeling the pressure. Yeah. You know, the teacher's saying, you've got to get this, you've got to get the top marks, you've got to uh, get all this homework done, like two, three hours a night of homework. And, and it's I, the system is to, that's to blame yeah. rather than the individual teacher. Absolutely. It's like, yeah. you know, the teachers are under pressure. Mm-hmm. They're being judged on that. Yeah. It's a judgment again. And then the parents are being judged maybe by other parents in society. My kid's not here, here and here. And, mm-hmm. and that feeds into the children. Mm-hmm. So the whole system. And then, like you said, you know, mental health issues are being caused mm-hmm. by that. The phones. You know, it's everything can cause. There's so many things that can cause a, men, uh, a mental health issue. That's why we need the, the self-awareness. Mm-hmm. Now, early, straight away. Mm-hmm. Because... Otherwise, it will be an epidemic because mm. life is difficult enough and you have to get in touch with your true self. Mm. And if you don't, then you could come and go a long way and you won't know what to do mm. when it goes wrong. Luckily, I was able to change my life at 30 years old. Mm-hmm. But, you know, what if I'd got, I'd got to 40 and then it had happened? Mm. Would I have been able to change then? Mm. You know? So, not to be all doom and gloom, but I'd rather have had those things instilled into me at seven or eight years old mm. so when I got to 15 and I felt anger bubbling up I was able to say I'm feeling angry because of and then the support would have been there wouldn't it if yeah. you know how to reach out I suppose but yeah. uh, prevention is always better than cure yeah because you you're just reacting rather than being proactive mm. and like what you said before about solving problems like I, if I'm solving a problem I feel alive like you know and if i'm getting ahead of something and or thinking yeah i think that this would be good for me then you know and uh, interact with me listeners if you feel what makes you feel like that you know mm. you're sitting on your on your hands and doing nothing you know because it, it's that that feeling when you can't do something for me and like, that's when i get real that's when i'm vulnerable mm. and i can explode and be like, i can't do it and i can't do it and mm. i can't pick up new skills yeah Whereas if you activate growth and you do it once, twice, it becomes easier. Mm. And you know, if, if we 
relate that back to the school context mm. and if we could magically throw away all the targets and all the curriculum of you must do science and you must do all of this all of that stuff yeah added value and all that it all comes down to comparison and I think it was Mark Twain who said comparison is the thief of joy yeah I said it was Einstein but it could be Mark Twain because I've been saying it in another one but this is what I've been saying to my wife to everyone the last two weeks yeah. this has been my driving influence yeah. do not compare yeah and it's, it's it is the road to ruin you know personally and socially as well I mm. think um, because you know we, we talked in human a couple of weeks ago about Facebook likes and yeah. Instagram likes and all that type of stuff um, if you are comparing yourself yeah. with how many likes your friend has got or what holiday they've been on yeah. and you see their sterilised version of life on social media yeah. and you think oh gosh my life isn't as good as theirs but you're not seeing all of the, the warts and all. They will still be having arguments and money worries and all the other type of stuff, health issues. But you just don't see that when you get a sterilised version. So to compare yourself, whether it's on social media or in school with, yeah, little Johnny got an A star star yeah. and the other one only got a grade eight or whatever yeah. it is, then there will always be someone who's done better than you. Yeah, always. Uh, so really it's about following your soul. And this is what I've said to my kids is, you know, when you're choosing your subjects at school, just follow your heart. And my daughter loves dance. Yeah. So I think she's been dancing since she was three or oh, four really? years old. And she's on this uh, dance scheme now at the Lowry. And I can see that, it, you know, if she follows this through, this could well be her life. It's, it's something she's passionate about. Absolutely. And, you know, mental health for me and for yeah. you, that's our passion. Yeah. And uh, I don't need to know what happened in 1066 to do that. I don't need no. to work out the area of a triangle to know that so. I do love a quiz though so if you ever want to do a quiz we did one last night and we won Christmas quiz yeah I, I, I love a quiz yeah. especially if it's a music quiz right uh, my specialist subject is the 90s uh, indie Manchester yeah. stuff okay so if you could write a quiz yeah. with those questions in I'd probably win I'll, I'll, I'll get Ron from a talk about it mate to do a quiz because he's been going on about doing one for a while so you're welcome to any of our events Excellent. and if you know you want to promote what you're doing because you know, until I'm doing the same thing as what you're doing, I'll still promote what you're doing because I think that like, what is it's only gonna create good things. Mm. I think it's a good place to end really in that. We, I think we all have social. I feel we have social social responsibility to give something back. Mm. So you know, I know people who volunteered in food banks. I know people who, you know, did you know? Not everyone is a doctor, a teacher, a nurse. They already do that in their jobs, don't they? But. I think we can all do something for someone else. There's so much that we get from that that it helps you also to help yourself, I think, as well. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know if there's anything you want to add or anything you've got coming up. Uh, what's coming up? So, mental health first aid courses. Uh, next one's in January. If anyone would like to come along, it's going to be in Ashton at um, Tameside Alderman Glossop Mind. Um Something I've just launched through my company is um, my, I do workplace wellbeing programs as yep. well as mental health first aid. So the flagship one is called Performing with Compassion, which is kind of what we've just been talking about really. Yeah. And it's about getting employees to be the best they can be, yeah. but also tapping in to compassion. So if they have got mental health issues, yeah. if they have got anything um, that needs addressing, Showing the managers how how to do that. I wish I'd have had something like that in in my working mm -hmm. life. Mm -hmm. Well, me too. Yeah, you know. But again, it's 
we've been through the dark stuff yeah. so we can add something back to society by what we've learned yeah um, and yeah you know just um, compassion and fear, getting giving people meaning in their work yeah so although people may be stuck in an office and it's not their ideal job yeah. really they might want to be an actor or a mm. fireman or whatever it is but at least try and make the best of their time in work and give them some meaning give them some purpose and uh, manage them with compassion rather than again saying oh you've not met your targets this month and giving them a whipping for it yeah so um yeah that's that's out there so um if there are any companies or people who work in companies who think that might be something they would like to investigate then send us an email it's info at pathlight.org.uk or have a look on my website which is currently being redone okay so it'll look more professional in a couple of weeks time oh you must share that with us once um once it's done uh, maybe hopefully i'll have the podcast out by then um so yeah well all i can say is have a good christmas and new year and i think it's been really informative for me and hopefully for the people who are listening about what mental health first aid could do I, I, and i'll give you i'll give you the last word what any other quotes or things that stick with you that on the journey that you go back to mm. so yeah for me you know when when people are in a dark place mm-hmm. they might think it's all doom and gloom yeah and there's no way out and people say if you're in deep depression that is it's like the there's no hope mm-hmm. but for me there is always hope and that again is something that we talk about on the mental health first aid yeah. course that recovery model that yeah you might not get back to where you were before you had the issue but you can recover uh, and that dark place the mud or whatever you want to call it yeah. that's where the gold is and I think from what you have yeah. been doing in your yeah. life the last few years what I've been doing the last few years of my life I would not swap what I've been through at all you know it's been such a valuable teacher for me yeah and I've learned so much about myself and about humanity and about relationships yeah. that it's actually been um, along with being a parent those are the two yeah. things that have taught me the most in life so if you are in a dark place at the moment you know know that it will get better there is gold yeah. in there for you yeah and you can recover thank you I think that's a really nice way to end and uh Thank you to everyone who's listened to the, the Talk About Make podcast this year, which we started in February and now have done 13 episodes. So thank you for listening to 2019 and we'll have some more material for you in 2020. Exciting times ahead. Thank you.